Record. Good afternoon, producer Susan. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jersey Joe. How are you? I'm good. You get the snow that was forecast? Uh, we did, and it's expected tomorrow as well. Oh, my goodness. So it's Maine. You're getting snow in Pennsylvania. All Welcome right. to Pennsylvania. All, right. All four seasons in one day. All right. Hey, I know you've got uh, you've got an, uh, another engagement here coming up shortly, so we'll kind of speed through this or try to speed through it. Anyway, situation with Jersey Joe, it's news and perspective you won't hear on TV. Um, and I think we've got a couple of those for you. Uh, our quote of the day is from actor Denzel Washington on things he hopes come back in style. Um, I've got a mea culpa. Last week, uh, in our stupid thing I've heard all week, I did a segment on um, uh, this uh, congresswoman who wanted the U.S. to spend $40 million on female crash test dummies. Well, I was chastised by one of our listeners, and it turns out that really wasn't a stupid idea after all, and I will explain why. And the mea culpa, I was wrong. Um, in our science minute, do you know there's only been one person to ever win two Nobel Prizes? Did you know that? I'm kind of surprised, actually. Well, we'll tell you who that person was in um, two different fields. All right. Um, hey, do you know anybody's ever been stricken with yellow fever? I uh, know. Well, this summer might be your chance because yellow fever has long been extinct in the United States, but the World Health Organization tells us this summer could be your big chance to come down with yellow fevers. We'll tell you why. Um, we've all heard the tragic story story of the uh, shooter in Texas who uh, his neighbors asked him to stop shooting their his guns because their kids were trying to sleep, and he got mad and killed five of his neighbors. We'll tell you a little more about that guy and, uh, um, and why he shouldn't have had guns and why he shouldn't have even been here to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um Another segment, um, you know, we've talked about chat GPT and other artificial intelligence. We'll tell you why chat GPT might be your, your, uh, be your next doctor for the, for the majority of your non-life-threatening illnesses. Uh, Producer Susan, I know you're, you've got a dog. You're very, in, very much into animal welfare, but we're going to tell everybody um, why you may, if you donate to animal causes, why you might want to think twice before giving your money to the ASPCA if you were, if you really want to help save homeless and abused cats and dogs, um, we'll give you an update on the net cost of the uh, last year's Inflation Reduction Act, which was uh, peddled uh, as being a budget neutral act that with the additional taxes it was going to generate would offset all the spending. Well, the uh, Penn Wharton, you know about the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School of Business. Yep. Uh, uh, Penn Wharton, Very prestigious one, school down in Philadelphia. Yep. One of the most respected business colleges in the world, in the United States, has done an updated estimate of the, the true net cost of the Inflation Reduction Act. And guess what? It's not budget neutral. Surprise, surprise. Um, and our taxpayer relief shot is from Albuquerque, New Mexico, where a store owner uh, was sleeping in his store because of break-ins. And at three o'clock in the morning, he winds up breaking an arm, uh, confronting an armed thug who entered the store by breaking through the wall of the store at three o'clock in the morning. So you think we can fit that in? I know you're probably going to do it. All right. So we all know who Denzel Washington is, right? Yep. Famous right. actor. I'm sorry? Yeah, actor. Great right. actor. So here's the quote of the day. It's short and sweet. And here, so, so and here's his quote. With so many things coming back into style, I can't wait until morals, respect, and intelligence become a trend again. 
What do you think about that? <laughs> I, I'm with them. <laughs> with them 100%. All right. So let's move on to my mea culpa about crash test dummies, which I was making fun of that. Why would we want to spend $40 million on making special crash test dummies? Well, first, let me tell you what I found out about crash test dummies. I didn't realize that the cheapest crash test dummy that you can buy that's used by car manufacturers and the USDOT, they start the base stripped down models, 100,000. And if you want to get one fully loaded with all different sensors, they can cost close to a million dollars a piece. And I was just stunned. I just thought they had some, you know, shock sensors on them. And But no, the cheapest crash test dummy you can buy, which nobody uses, is 100000 And by the way, one company has a 95% share market. Now, turns out that car manufacturers, when they do their own crash tests, are only required to use the average male dummy. Um and yet, compared to men, for a variety of reasons, women, by the way, I found out phys physiologically, women have a lower center of gravity. Mm -hmm. They are 17% more likely to die in a car crash and 73% more likely to sustain serious injuries in a front-end collision. So, yes, um, it looks like uh, it makes a lot of sense to, to test both male and female dummies. Now, men, obviously, they have greater mass. You know, they have there's more, more to stop. So it looks like testing females as well as male analogs, we refer to them as analogs. So a dummy is an analog for human beings. So, you know, her suggestion that the, the DOT and, and uh, car companies should be testing both male and female uh, dummies wasn't such a stupid idea after all. Any any thoughts? Yeah, there's a, a couple of different um TikTok challenges um, that are out there. One is the chair challenge, which I think was made famous by Archie Bunker. Uh, what was the name of that show? All in the Family. All in the Family. Um, and then there's another one that's been uh, around uh, where uh, you you kneel down on your knees, um, you know, on your on your hands, and women can put their hands behind their back, but men cannot. While you're kneeling of down, their center of gravity. Huh? I'll be darned. Because they're because they're again they have a lower mass more they have a larger pelvic region interesting yep. interesting all right so you want to take a guess at uh, who won two Nobel two Nobel prizes only well, person there, ever done a, it. There, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you on this one because there's a famous one that I think everybody has heard of and that would be Madame Curie or that, Marie Curie um, but there's a second one that's uh, Linus Pauling Linus Pauling too. Yes, uh, one for both chemistry and peace, the Nobel Peace Prize, one in the 50s and one in the 60s. You know, I'm going to Google that right now. I thought it was only her. Hang on, Linus Pauling, Nobel Prizes. I think it was, I want to say 1950-something and then again in 1960-something. But Madam oh, Curie, okay. you're the right. First Woman. He's the other one. Yeah. In 1954, he won the prize for chemistry. And eight years later, he was awarded the Peace Prize. I'll be done. Yep. yep. So 54, the chemistry, and in, in the 63, the Peace Prize. Well, I guess there's two up now. Well, let's talk about Madame Curie, who you also named, showing just how, how uh, intelligent my producer is. Madame Curie, by the way, do you know Madame Curie wasn't French? Uh, no, I don't know her nationality. She was Polish. And that's going to come into well, play. Oh, yeah, she here. has a crazy uh, middle name, right? Or is that her maiden name? Well, her last name was 
Sladowska. Yep. Uh, Marie Sklodowska. She married um, a French physicist named of Curie. Um, anyway, and so in um, in she and her husband in 1903 won the Nobel Prize for Physics for their study of radiation and radioactive decay. Uh, and then um, in 1911, eight years later, she won separately for isolating and identifying mm -hmm. two separate radioactive elements. Uh, one was radium and the other, which curium. they actually named, the other is polonium. And you know how- Oh, polonium. I, where did I get curium from? Well, you know you know where the name polonium was came from? I don't. In honor of her native, native country, Poland. Mm -hmm. So yes, uh, 1903 and 1911. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was in not in physics, but in chemistry for her, for her isolation and identification of two distinct radioactive elements- radium and polonium. And again, she is credited with being discovering the existence of polonium, which is separate from radium. So- And one of the first women to ever win the Nobel one Prize. One of the first women to ever win the, the Nobel Prize. Absolutely. All right. So you want to move on to yellow fever? Or you want to stick with Marie Curie, uh, Madam Curie? Well, we can go on to yellow fever. I know we got a lot to fit in today. All right. So yellow fever has been virtually extinct in the United States for decades, but the, the World Health Organization, WHO, has come out with a warning for the U.S. that we could see this summer, we could see a dramatic rise in several mosquito-borne viral illnesses in this summer, including one called chikungunya and yellow fever, which the, the official medical term for yellow fever is dengue fever. Uh, now, these are diseases that are normally only encountered in more tropical climates. And uh, the primary vector uh, for the transmission of these diseases are mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. And I'll just give you a quote. Uh, is spread to people, bite from an infected mosquito, most common symptoms, blah, blah, blah. By the way, yellow fever can be fatal. It attacks the liver. You get They call it yellow fever because it attacks the liver. You get jaundice. Jaundice. Uh, you can die. Now, so um, so the mosquitoes get it by biting somebody who's already infected, and then that mosquito who's picked up the virus by biting an infected person then bites somebody who's not infected, and that's how they um, that's how they spread it to other people. So this is right from the WHO. There is a risk that the virus will be spread to unaffected areas of the country by infected travelers. Now, I was puzzled because. To enter this country, if you want to get a visa, if you want to come here from Spain or Portugal or Italy or China, to get a visa, whether a tourist visa or work visa, the U.S. State Department requires that you get a health certificate no older than three weeks old. Mm -hmm. So I'm puzzled. So if you want to come here and, and you have to have a health certificate, where would all these um, infected travelers be coming from? I'm baffled. Any idea? I, You know, I, I don't know what the... Um what's the proper word gestation is a gestation period for yellow fever for but you know coming into new york so let's say jfk which is a big you know international mecca and then you know traveling out from there i, I don't know what the or i guess incubation period i guess is the word i was thinking of well the more likely is that you've got people you've got uh, two million people a year coming over the southern border who have no medical certificates uh right Nobody, again, if you want to come here legally on a visa, you have to get a health certificate saying mm -hmm. you have no communicable diseases. 
if you walk across the Rio Grande River and get um, uh, intercepted by Customs and Border Patrol, they take you to a holding area, uh, they fingerprint you, take your picture, they give you a notice to appear and release you. Nowhere in that uh, apprehension and release, it's called catch and release, nowhere in that process is there any, unless you are, you know, showing signs of severe illness, in which case they hospitalize you, but uh, there is no health inspection if you're caught. So we have 2 million people a year entering the United States um, illegally that go through no medical screening whatsoever. And now they don't come right out and say it, but, you know, clearly, um, and by the way, yellow fever is most uh, common in uh, tropical climates, mm -hmm. meaning Central and South America. Humid. So, so, so clearly, you know, that's, I think, why the World Health Organization is warning that you, you, you have an increased risk of being infected. Because clearly, I believe that we're going to have more people, carriers, if you will, coming across the southern border. Now, something which they also, uh, which I'm sure this has nothing to do, totally separate cause. Um, but did you know that the uh, CDC is also reporting a rise in tuberculosis cases in the U.S., which have also almost been extinct in this country? No. Well, you know, you didn't know it was extinct or you know that you didn't know there was an increase. I didn't know there was an increase. I thought that was something that had, you know, gone away back in the 70s. Well, it had it almost gone away and occasionally somebody will come here and, but uh, the CDC is, you know, is reporting a rise in TB. And again, um, nobody, you know, when I went to school, I would get the TB test. They would put a little thing and they'd stick your arm and if you're positive, uh, they've stopped TB testing in this country 20 years ago. But um if you think there's a link between the risk of yellow fever and the increase in tuberculosis, you're probably not far off because I think clearly the vectors for both are millions of people coming across the southern border without going through any sort of health screening. Maybe that makes me, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of, what's the word? Um, oh, come on. They used to call Trump that word when he was... <laughs> about, uh, you know, people coming from other countries. I don't mind, I, you know, I have nothing with problem with people coming from other countries. I just wish we had a health screening process so that people weren't bringing in diseases that were, had basically been eradicated in this country. Um, if, if you think of the word, let me know. I'll probably think of it before we end. Anyway, let's move on to the Texas shooter. Yeah, speaking of border crossings. Oh, okay, uh, speaking of the border. So I'm sure everybody's heard the story about the, the guy in Texas outside of Houston. Um, he was shooting guns in his backyard. One of his neighbors said, hey, you know, my kid's trying to sleep. Can you stop shooting your guns? Well, apparently he got angry, grabbed one of his guns, went into his neighbor's house, shot and killed five people, including a nine-year-old child in the house. Turns out that he was an illegal alien who had been previously deported four times. Four as a times. As an illegal alien, he was not legally entitled, uh, not legally able to buy or own a gun. And so my question is, why is a guy who has been deported four times, why was he not in prison? Why was he not put sent to jail after his second or third or second and third illegal entry? Uh, how about the first? The, you, know, you know, sometimes the first, okay, you're here, boom, I'm going to send you back. But the second time, you know, I think the second time, um, you know, that deserves some, some present time. 
And particularly the third time, I've always been a big fan of what they call double up, by the way, that every time you make a successive, uh, commit a successive crime, that the statutory limit should get doubled. So another, say you commit a felony, you steal a car. And say for the next, for the next thing you do, well, let's say if, if the next crime is armed robbery and the statutory sentence is five to 10, well, if you already have a prior felony, I'd like to see it automatically double from five to 10 to 10 to 20. Mm -hmm. And that, and that keeps going every time you make another one. Because right now they have this three strikes and you're out, but sometimes prosecutors are uh, reluctant to apply the three strikes and you're out because you get somebody who does a minor crime like shoplifting. And if they apply the three strikes and you're out, you're sending somebody to jail for the rest of their life for shoplifting. Whereas if they use the, the double up approach, it wouldn't be for the rest of their life. It would simply be, oh, you shoplifted that six months to a year. You've got two prior convictions. So instead of six to 12 months, it's going to be uh, 24 to 48 months. So that would be my approach. What do you think of the double up approach instead of- Yeah, I, I like that idea. I, I don't know if that'll um, help with prison populations or or not, but- you Well, know, it'll certainly keep committing... people up. Remember last week about the guy that shot the cop? He'd been arrested um, 34 times in, in 17 yeah. months. Uh, all these people committing felon. We're not talking misdemeanors. We're talking felonies, felonies. and right. heinous felonies. They right. should not be out walking the streets and and killing cops. And and um, anyway, uh, we we won't go there. I know we're rushed for time tonight. All right. So um, to become a doctor, you have to pass a U.S. medical licensing test. It's a three part test. Well, yep. somebody said, let's give the test to Chat GPT. Uh, you want to know how ChatGPT did? I'm going to guess it probably did pretty well. It did pretty well. It passed. So ChatGPT passed all three sections of the U.S. Medical Licensing Board test. <laughs> so think about that. Say you got a problem, you know, a minor problem. It's, you know, not life-threatening. You know, you're not bleeding. You're not convulsing. You're not having seizures. But, you know, you want some... So a lot of people I know go to these websites, like WebMD, to look up what mm -hmm. they got. Well, just imagine if... If chat GPT, you could just call up chat GPT and, and type in your symptoms and chat GPT could say, you know, your possible causes are A, B, and C. And if it's A, here's what you do, boom, boom, boom. But chat GPT, I mean, right now you see nurse practitioners. And um, so it's interesting how far this could go. I know they already have telemedicine where you don't have to go to the doctor's office. The doctor, you know, just get him on a Zoom call and he asks you to do some stuff. He asks you to press here, press there. Um, so it'd be interesting. Any thoughts on how they might integrate AI? Yeah, I'm not sure. Like you said, they have telemedicine, although, you know, even that I, you know, I recently had a dermatology appointment and a nurse called me and said, well, we can offer you a telemedicine. I said, but I'm coming to get a mole removed off my thigh. How does that work via telemedicine? <laughs> so I, I don't know how sometimes the telemedicine works. Uh, all right. Well, Again, there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all, but it's interesting to see where AI could go with this. You know, AI could see could end up with you need to you need to see a doctor immediately, or no big deal, wait 24 hours, and if this doesn't happen, then see a doctor. Anyway, um, let's move on to the ASPCA. I always thought very highly, um, but recently there's been an expose done. Um, apparently, unbeknownst to all the people who send money. The ASPCA has shifted its focus from dogs and cats to the dairy and cattle farming industry. They're apparently uh, going the way of PETA, 
where they're now trying to get rid of feedlots and these big dairy operations. And I didn't realize this. I thought their focus was still on cats and dogs. Well, here's some, some data that came out. The uh, ASPC, American Society of Prevention of Cruelty Animals, um, last year raised $390 million in annual contributions. Uh, they only operate one pet shelter themselves. Of that $390 million, they only donated 2% to other pet shelter organizations, 2% of $390 million. They have $575 million in assets sitting in banks and investments, including banks in the Cayman Islands. The CEO has a salary of $1 million per year, and they have, ready for this, 259 executives making annual incomes in excess of $100,000 per year. Now, if your primary focus is on cows, and you know, then by all means, keep giving money to the ASPCA. But if you really want to do good for uh, cats, if your main focus is, is helping cats and dogs and abused cats and dogs and homeless cats and dogs, the ASPCA is not the place you want to give the money. Susan, I know you have dogs and you're involved. What would be your recommendations if you want to do good for cats and dogs? Uh, to donate to your local shelter. And I will say, so there's two local shelters in my town and one of them actually does get involved in the rescue of, of horses and some other farm animals, but they're, you know, Again, donating at the local level, don't donate to these larger umbrella corporations, you know, go down to your local shelter and, and write them a check in person. Right. And by the way, ASPCA is not even involved in horse rescue. And I've been in personally involved in horse rescue. They simply want to like shut down these, you know, they want to shut down beef, you know, feedlots and they just want to shut these places down. They want to go to, uh, you know, they want dairy farms to give more space to their cows. So they're really going down the Peter road, uh, people for the ethical treatment of animals. So again, if your focus is on cats or dogs or horses, find a different organization, but clearly ASPCA is not what it used to be 20 years ago. So that's my, and you can research that just, you know, just Google PETA, uh, you know, how they're spending by the way, all of their money, because they're nonprofit, all nonprofits have to file an IRS form 990 every year. That says, here's how much money we took in. Here's how much money we pay our executives. Uh, here's how much money we spent. Here's what we spent it on. All right. How much time we got? Uh, let's see. You've got about 10 minutes. All right. Penn Wharton School of Business. Um, one of the things they do regularly is every time there's a piece of legislation coming out, the Penn Wharton people, professors and, and MBA students, they score these bills in terms of what the impact was. Well, uh, last fall, uh, the Biden administration promoted this Inflation Reduction Act, which they were going to spend a lot of money doing a lot of things. But they said, but we're going to offset that, those costs with some new taxes on businesses and billionaires and whatnot. So it's going to be budget neutral. Well, when they first did that, Penn Wharton came out and said, not so fast. We put the 10-year cost to $385 billion. And now with some changes and now the, the uh, bills come out, they have recently updated that model and they in the Penn Wharton School of Business now puts the estimated net cost, this is net of new taxes of that uh, inflation reduction legislation at, ready for this, $1.045 trillion. Yikes. Trillion. So instead of Reflation Reduction Act, I think we might want to consider renaming it the Inflation Acceleration Act. And here's a quote from their study. 
The 2022 Inflation Reduction Act contained a range of climate and energy provisions, uh, previously estimated cost of $185 billion over 10 years. Since that estimate, newer implementation details have emerged, and the fiscal calendar has moved to start in 2023. Our updated estimate for the 10-year period for just the climate and energy provisions is now $1.045 billion. And they go on to reference a table. There's other things in there they haven't estimated, um, such as you know the bridges and the roads, but uh, they're saying, but a lot of this comes to where these new mandates that we're going to do away with EVs, we're going to do away with internal combustion engines and EVs. So um, that's their new estimate for just that one piece, $1.045 trillion budget neutral. All right. I think we're going to finish on time tonight. So taxpayer relief shot segment. Uh, Producer Susan, what's the taxpayer relief shot segment? Uh, saving uh, the taxpayers the cost of trial and incarceration. Of who? Of uh, criminals who uh, do bad. Uh, do bad things. And um, and again, because when you put a guy, when you when you arrest a thug and you try him, it's 200000 for the trial. It's 75000 a year to put him in jail. So you put one of... You arrest a guy and put him in jail for 10 years. There goes a million dollars of taxpayer money. Here's how the sheriff of Santa Rosa County, Florida, thinks about it. Somebody's breaking in your house. You're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Hopefully, you'll save the taxpayers money. And that was just one sheriff. We have another sheriff down there called uh, Sheriff Grady Polk. Let me see if we can find Sheriff Polk here. Here we go. I think it's Grady Judd in Polk County, no, right? Grady Judd, rather. Polk County. I would highly suggest that if a looter breaks into your home, comes into your home while you're there to steal stuff, that you take your gun and you shoot him. You shoot him so that he looks like grated cheese. Well, that's one. And, and uh, Sheriff Judge has one more that I like this one. Here we go. But we have received information in social media that some of the criminals... We're going to take their criminal conduct into the neighborhoods. I would tell them if you value your life, you probably shouldn't do that in Polk County. Because the people of Polk County like guns. They have guns. I encourage them to own guns. And they're going to be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns. Blow you back out of the house with their guns. By the way, you know, in we've done taxpayer relief shots in the past where a woman has had a restraining order and the uh, the violent ex-husband, violent ex-boyfriend has come around and broken down the door and the woman has shot and killed um, the, the guy, the violent ex-boyfriend because the cops couldn't get there in time. Interesting, my, uh, my son-in-law bought a gun a little while ago and uh my granddaughter uh who turns 19 and there's a saying teach your daughter to shoot because of restraining orders just a piece of paper well we took her shooting for the very first time this past weekend and she loved it she absolutely loved it and she was great at it she can't wait to go again so um that was our so my uh son-in-law has taught his daughter how to shoot so she'll never have to wait for the uh for the police uh if she's ever in a situation where somebody's threatening her life and the other one when what is it when uh when seconds count the police are minutes away minutes away exactly all right and so a here piece we go. of paper is not going to stop that person 
piece of paper is not going to stop is not going to stop a violent ex-boyfriend or a thug. And here we go. Here's a uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Beat. Tonight, an Albuquerque business owner confirms he shot and killed an intruder after fearing for his life. He says this business in the International District hasn't even opened up yet. And now it's at the center of an investigation from Albuquerque police who are calling this case a justifiable homicide, but they're still investigating. This business is near Zuni in San Mateo. APD says early Saturday morning, the business owner shot and killed a man who allegedly had broken into their shop. Police have not identified that man. Spencer Schott spoke with the business owner, and Spencer, he did explain to you how he believes all this played out. Yeah, Tommy, he didn't want to go on camera today as the investigation is still going on and for his own protection, but he tells me he's glad APD is classifying this as a justifiable homicide because he says he was simply defending his new shop. The smoke shop on Zuni, near San Mateo, has not even opened yet, but the new owners say they've already seen two break-in attempts, the latest leading to Saturday's deadly shooting. The shop owners invited us inside Sunday to show us the bizarre way they say the alleged burglar broke into their store. Behind this pile of boxes, there is a hole in the wall, just big enough for a man to crawl through. One of the owners started sleeping at the shop after the first break-in attempt, and he says he was woken up around 3 a.m. by an odd scratching sound coming from the sidewall. Little did he know at the time a man had been tunneling his way through the wall, and about an hour later, he broke through. That man pushed over these boxes to get inside. The shop owner says the man was waving a large hammer and an axe or a chisel when he stood up. And that was the moment he says he feared for his life. He grabbed his gun and told the man to get out or he will shoot. Instead of leaving the way he came in, the shop owner says the other man started walking towards him, swinging. So the shop owner opened fire and called police. Now, the owners have boarded up that hole and will be installing more security cameras soon. APD says detectives are working with the district attorney's office as they continue to investigate this business owner's claims of self-defense. Tommy. Okay. All right. What do you think of that one? Sounds like that person watched one too many uh, times of Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah, breaking through the breaking through the uh, the wall with a hammer and an axe and uh Anyway, wound up DRT, dead right there. Dead right there. All right. Uh, got anything you want to add before I sign off? Nope. I, I just, did, I'm kind of amazed it's May and it's uh, snow in the forecast. <laughs> Better you than me. All right. Anyway, I want to thank all you who listened to this podcast for giving up 30 minutes of your time out of your busy day to listen to me ramble on about things I find of interest and importance. I hope you found them as interesting, as important as I did, and hope you continue to listen. If you want to see any of the materials and the story links you heard me talk about today, you can find them on, on the Jersey Joe website at jerseyjoe.com. And Jersey is spelled J-E-R as in Robert, Z as in Zebra, double E, J-E-R-Z-E-E, jerseyjoe.com. If you want to send me an email with your comments, questions, or suggested show topic, or you want to chastise me for getting something wrong like I did with the female dummies, you can do that by sending an email to simply joe at jerseyjoe.com. Just remember to spell Jersey with an R and a Z and two E's. Other than that, I've got nothing else. Producer Sue? Uh, enjoy the rainy weather. At you least, can. at least hopefully we won't be in a drought this summer. Let's hope. All right, Producer Sue, talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.